The problem for us is not are our desires satisfied or not. The problem is how do we know what we desire? There is nothing spontaneous, nothing natural about human desires. Our desires are artificial. We have to be taught to desire. Cinema is the ultimate pervert art. It doesn't give you what you desire. It tells you how to desire. Don't you like jingles, Andrew? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's okay. Jingles. They're okay. Like, you like to jingle all the way? Not all the way. I mean, maybe part of the way. Crazy. Maybe just a little bit. A little bit. A little bit at a time. A little bit. All right. And uh, welcome back to the Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack, and with me always is uh, Garth. I mean, Andrew. Um, and we're here today to ask a very important question. And that question is, who the hell is Slavoj Zizek? Now, that is a good question. And uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about that today because this is a man who has been fascinating to me for quite a few years. Um, now, uh, to give a little bit of background about this man, uh, Slavoj Zizek is a uh, philosopher and uh cultural critic you might also say he's kind of a psychoanalyst in a manner of speaking but mostly he's a he's a professor and also i think he's actually been a professor for a lot of years um he if you want to learn a little bit more as well he, there's a really great uh 15 20 minute interview on uh vice network on youtube and, the point uh, is though if you have seen a large hairy man with an accent and a lisp Speaking uh, fervently about films, a man who that's looks your like man. He, a man who also looks like he may or may not have snorted a lot of coke before he gets up to speak, because he is constantly. If you ever see him, he is constantly. Maybe it's just one of these ticks. He rubs his nose. So if you see that guy, listen to what he's saying, because <laughs> whatever he, whenever he talks about film, he says some of the most fascinating things that you've never even thought of. He. I, he came to light for Jack and I, I suppose, through a film called The Pervert's Guide to Cinema. That's right. This is a uh, a 2006 uh, documentary, um, which actually is directed by Sophie Fines, who the is younger the sister of sister. Ralph and Joseph Fines. Yes, that's right. Uh, so she got into directing, and um, so Zizek has been around for quite a while. He, if you go on to Amazon.com, you'll see a ton of books by this guy. He has books with names like Living in the End Times, Less Than Nothing, uh, Welcome to the Desert of the Real, um, and uh, and he has actually, a new, it's funny enough that we're doing this because he has a book coming out um, just next week on the 18th of August called Trouble in Paradise, From the End of History to the End of Capitalism. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, so this is a guy who, when, we, when you watch The Pervert's Guide to Cinema, um, actually, this is one of those movies that when I first heard about it, uh, a friend of ours gave it, he actually lent me a copy because you couldn't really see, uh, see the movie on DVD. It came out originally in Britain. And the thing is the movie uses a lot of movie clips, right? Um, the thing about Zizek is that again, he's a cultural critic. He's very much into movies and trying to look at their subtext. So let's explain a little bit of the, the, the setup of The Perfect Guide to Cinema. You'll have a clip from a movie like Blue Velvet, yes. where Isabel Rossellini is uh, is with uh, 
Frank, Frank Booth, Booth, played by Dennis Hopper. Kyle MacLachlan is in the closet watching them make love. And then all of a sudden you'll cut to a different part of that set, and Slavoj Žižek is sitting on a bed. It, it, well, on it, the couch. On the couch, yes. as if he's watching the whole thing what, play out. And what, what's happening is, yes. is this is a film, uh, Sophie Fines uh, talks about it. She looks up films, she does a lot of reading, she t- looks, t- looks for philosophical and social ideas that are represented in films that she finds interesting. And then, basically, she puts, Sla- she puts Slavoj Žižek... Uh, this bearded man. <laughs> this into... man who this man who looks like a reject of Santa Claus uh, during the holidays. At, into copies of the sets. Yes. And films him talking about the movies. Yes. And you you half expect for Slavoj Žižek to, to say something, and then for the characters in the film to kind of stare at him and wait for him to stop talking before yes. they continue doing what they're doing. Exactly. Um, now, I believe that um, some of the films that... I think that Zizek might have already had theories about his movies, and then Sophie Fines recreated that for the movie, like because he had writings going back to before this documentary about movies like Lost Highway and Vertigo and The Matrix. In fact, his book Welcome to the Desert, of the Real, uh, yeah, that's references a reference to the Matrix. the Matrix. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. But the choice between the blue and the red pill is not really a choice between illusion and reality. Of course, Matrix is a machine for fictions, but these are fictions which already structure our reality. If you take away from our reality, the symbolic fictions that regulate it, you lose reality itself. I want a third pill. So what is the third pill? Definitely not some kind of transcendental pill which enables a fake fast food religious experience, but a pill that would enable me to perceive not the reality behind the illusion, but the reality in illusion itself. If something gets too traumatic, too violent, even too, too filled in with enjoyment, it shatters the coordinates of our reality. We have to fictionalize it. So I have to wonder, maybe some of these movies Sophie Fines wanted to talk about or have Zizek talk about, but I think that he... I clearly Sophie Fines was, was interested in Zizek's ideas, and yes. being a filmmaker, she thought, well, why not have a film with this man yeah. talking well, about films? Well, he, so yeah, that, what, well, that's the, what and he And the way does. it works is she says, all right, you know, you, we have these films. Which ones do you want to talk about? And it's like, oh, this... This, 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 and this, this, this and, is how he talks. He, he has this voice where I have a... And I am very all over the place. And English is not my first language. And so she sets up the shots, and he just goes. There is no script. Because this guy is like... uh, He's very animated. He has this uncanny screen presence. It's like you... You know, usually a lot of people who work in philosophy and work in psychoanalysis and, you know, public speak, they're kind of dry... They're, they're people who are very academic. This man is an academic, but he's also 
he has childish <laughs> amounts of energy. He, he, you people, he probably has ADD, frankly. Uh, an article in, on the IFC website calls him uh, an interpretive idea volcano. He's also been called the Elvis of... Uh, uh, cultural Marxist ideology. Col- uh, the, the Elvis of cultural theory. Thank you. Uh, and he just... Uh, and he talks about uh, culture and films, of course, are a big part of culture. I mean, yes. if they weren't, we wouldn't be here talking to you. He, and he... Yeah. Uh, and in a way, he is saying, well, what are films trying to teach us? Perhaps unconsciously. But that he's also trying to explain certain philosophical ideas, like uh, what is... Uh, well, okay. So, so all right, here, here, let me give you an example in the Pervert's Guide to Cinema. Here's what he does. Yes, give he, us a... he tries to, you know, and some people might think, all right, well, is this a little kind of obvious? But no. But he does it in a very entertaining way. He'll take the Marx Brothers. He'll yeah. Take Groucho, Chico, and Harpo, and he will represent how the characters are actually representations of super ego. Ego and Id. Groucho yeah. is super ego, Chico is ego, and Harpo is Id. And right. it makes total sense. Yeah. It's fascinating. And then he looks at Psycho in a similar way. He looks at Norman Bates's house as having these three different levels. And you know, there, after there's he... the conscious first floor, which is which yeah. is Zigo, there's the upper level inhabited by his mother, the super ego, and then there's the, the Id, basement. which is his base which yeah, is the, the basement. Seller. And of course, it makes you wonder, like, all right, they couldn't have thought of this when they were making all the films, but but he's coming from not just a philosophical viewpoint, but also from a psychoanalytical well, also, viewpoint, can, which what, means that yeah. a lot of what we express is subconscious. So, and whether you buy that or not is up to you, but it's still very interesting to listen to. What can these movies show us that are that we don't know about? And what... What are what did we not ever think about with these movies? Like Zizek, he's really trying to poke and prod and see what what kind of take you can have on certain movies and certain scenes in movies. Things that the filmmakers are doing uh, in terms of expressing emotional states and even ideological states. So he Let, does. Can I give an example this time? Please. Here's here's like a philosophical example where he talks about the Dark Knight. Okay. And this is something like Jack just showed me this clip, and I'm like, oh yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. This idea that in uh, in a society, for in order for justice to work, you have to you have to use lies, and that lies are used frequently by the heroes in the Dark Knight to further the cause of justice. In the beginning, it's uh, Harvey Dent. He lies to the people of Gotham when he says when he says I'm the Batman, and he allows himself to be arrested. Uh, he's doing it, uh, you know, for good reasons, but it's basically, it, it is a lie. And then Jim, uh, Jim Gordon, he has to pretend to be dead in order to, you know, bring, in order to arrest the Joker. And later at the end, spoiler, Batman has to take, uh, take the blame for the crimes that Harvey Dent has committed. And spoiler, and because it's, the Joker cannot win. Right. <laughs> uh, and and, and yeah. you could say, well. And you could say, well, what's the harm in that? I mean, maybe there is no harm, but it's something. But when you really, when Zizek looks at it and points it out, it's like you realize he's absolutely right that all these characters are using lies. And in a in a just society, well, is that what we expect? What does art reflect about 
society. Ultimately, that's what a good critic will try to do, is to show something that you didn't think about or to look at in a certain way that will, if not change how you see the movie, it'll at least make you go, huh. And uh, what Andrew's example is referring to, uh, there are actually two Pervert's Guide movies. There's the Pervert's Guide to Cinema, and there is the Pervert's Guide to Ideology. The now, example I gave was from the Pervert's Guide to yeah, Ideology. Yeah, now the different, now two, the two movies are pretty similar in terms of how the of director Sophie finds, yeah, the presentation, um, because And just, again, I want to emphasize, all unscripted. It's basically point of picture, point a camera at Zizek in an interesting set and let him talk. If you, you know, <laughs> when he talks about the Dark Knight, he's in the interrogation room with the spotlight. When he is talking about the movie Jaws, he is on uh, the Orca. Uh, yes. When he's talking about the Last Temptation of Christ, he is there looking up at Jesus on the cross. It's a Jesus <laughs> po- POV. Uh, yes. And G- when he talks about triumph, did you just, of the w- did you say Jesus? Jesus POV. I thought you were using it with like a Z, like Jizek. Jesus. 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 No, forget it. Uh, <laughs> and then when he's talking about Triumph of the Will, he he's a passenger. Oh, you saw that. Yeah, he's a, tr- he's a passenger on the plane that that's in the yeah. opening of that film, um, in, in soft focus. I now, if I can talk about that. Now, the difference between the two movies, and when we say, now, the term pervert's guide, he's not like a super sick individual, although he does have some films that deal with sexual transgressions and content. I mean, Blue Velvet is one, Eyes Wide Shut is another, um, uh, Persona. But um, the difference between the movies, Pervert's Guide is more, Pervert's Guide to Cinema is more about actual examining in psychoanalytic terms. People like Freud Pervert's come Guide up, to Cinema is about, is about psychoanalysis. Yeah, that's more about psychoanalysis. Pervert's Guide to Ideology tries to examine the term ideology. And um, and for those of you who don't know what that means now, it's hard to explain that very simply. According to our common sense, we think that ideology is something blurring, confusing our straight view. Ideology should be glasses which distort our view. And the critique of ideology should be the opposite, like you take off the glasses so that you can finally see the way things really are. This precisely, and here the pessimism of the film of they live is well justified, this precisely is the ultimate illusion. Ideology is not simply imposed on ourselves. Ideology is our spontaneous relationship to our social world, how we perceive its meaning, and so on and so on. We, in a way, enjoy our ideology. All right. To step out of ideology, it hurts. It's a painful experience. Um, In the way that Zizek tries to frame it in this documentary is to explain how we're living our lives. What is society doing to us and how are we trying to respond to it he and to give you an example um he opens the film talking about they live and of course for those of you who don't know what they live is about it's the john carpenter science fiction movie about uh, a man who's roddy name is piper and Ro- keith david the late roddy piper uh may he rest in peace uh who is a man named john nada and he points out by the way that nada is spanish for nothing and so this character is kind of a 
know, blank slate in a way. But he comes into uh, upon this uh, cult, or not this cult, but they come upon this church, and he finds these sunglasses. And when you put on the sunglasses, you see the hidden messages in the world. A billboard that says, so Obey. He keep track of the visions in his mind. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you know, it's an invasion of the body snatchers type of story where characters are, you know, the, the invaders are already here. They're just hidden under human skin. And But what happens is, though, he points out a couple of things. First of all, that these glasses are, they act as a critique of ideology <laughs> device. <laughs> and the second thing is, he gives a great interpretation of that fight scene in They Live. Now, you've have you seen They Live? Yeah. You know, a, and so you know that long fight scene between Roddy Piper and Keith David. Right. Which, at first, you think, all right, is this just indulging Roddy Piper in his wrestling? Is it and just gratuitous? It, it probably is, but the way that he explains it is the idea that trying to break off from what you've been taught your whole life, trying to break off from what your ideology has been, trying to even change the way your dreams work, it hurts. It really hurts to change your ideology. Even, and so, if, even if you want to do it. Yeah, and so, you know, it's Keith David, you know, he does not only does he not want to put the glasses on, he refuses, and so it takes this long fight until he's literally beaten to submission <laughs> to finally put the glasses on and be like, oh, crap. Um, and so, again, now, who knows if this was what John Carpenter and the actors were thinking when they did this. That part doesn't matter. What happens in subtextual uh, film criticism is, you know, you can interpret it any way you want. And that's right. one of the great joys with Zizek. Now, here's the thing. It's not like we're we're philosophy majors or or psychoanalysts. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have a lot some of times but I don't understand exactly what Zizek is talking about. Or, it takes a couple of viewings. But that's the thing. You can watch these documentaries over and over, and you'll never get tired of Slavoj Zizek because he's he's funny too. He, he's he's got such presence. He's got so much energy. And he he speaks in an accent and with a lisp, but he's just so charming. He's he's eccentric. Like there's you know what I love is there's a couple of moments in Pervert's Guide to Cinema where uh, he's not critiquing the movie. They just show him, uh, for example, another thing that they like. He's talking about the birds. So what do they do? They put him in the boat, <laughs> On the boat. that Tippy Hedren is taking to go to the island. And oh, they by the show, way, here's an explicit warning for you. He yes, uh, he's on his way to there, and he like Jesus steering the boat, and he's like, he's I want to, I want to actually, I feel like I in melody, I want to fuck Mitch. <laughs> like I was just watching, uh, I was watching a video of of Zizek in a talking about ecology and examined life. Yeah, and he he's going through some trash and explaining uh, our yes. our attitudes to to nature and things, but uh, and he comes across this. this this topless magazine, and he and he looks at the page. He's like, uh, "He's like, you call this porn? Oh my god!" <laughs> yes. Or uh, he just takes these little <laughs> moments. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, here's the thing. Yeah. Let's talk about Zizek's approach. He's he's obviously super literate in psychology and philosophy. Sure. And he's seen a lot of films. Although he's admitted. Uh, he has. He admitted he that... He hasn't seen... Sometimes he won't watch, like, full movies. Yeah, more than half of the movies I've written around about I have not seen. Like, 
Yeah. He, he uh, I think he talked about the movie Titanic. He has very interesting comments about Titanic, oh, which I'll he mention has later. Great comments about but Titanic. He, but he's he he admits that I, the man has talked about Alien Three. I could not imagine a lot of people sitting through Alien Three yeah. unless they were you or I. But yeah. So I, do you think he's not he's, seen Alien Three? He's probably seen the beginning, fast forwarded to the end, mm -hmm. and he's like, "Okay, I think I know what I can work with in this." Yeah, well, the, one of the things too, it's interesting with him. Take that, David Fincher. You have certain film, like, okay, here's something else that I really love about him in terms of how he is as a film critic. Certain critics will either be kind of snobbish about a period in time in film. They'll be like, "There haven't been any great movies since." 1975 or something like that. They'll say something really absurd. There haven't absurd. been any great films since 2014. Well, I disagree with that. But at any rate, but then you also have cr critics who have not seen a movie before Star Wars. There are some critics out there who are, they don't really have that good point of reference. There are, cr there are people who, whereas Zizek, he's somebody who will talk about Charlie Chaplin and Revenge of the Sith. He'll talk not, about yeah. he'll talk about Tarkovsky's Solaris and Stalker, and yet he also has very passionate thoughts about Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, oh, I love his <laughs> I love his his idea about Kung Fu Panda. He, he said, uh, he, he yeah, said, now I, check he, it out he on that he yeah, disapproves. Check it out on YouTube. He disapproves of Kung Fu Panda in principle, but admires the fact the philosophy in the film is self aware. Yes. <laughs> He knows that it's a stupid animated movie, but that it's at trying to play with kung fu tropes. Well, it, it's that he doesn't really, he doesn't believe in the sort of martial arts philosophy mm -hmm. of you know uh, yeah. fi of finding your center or whatever the heck I, it is. Wax on, wax off. Another thing that's interesting, and <laughs> when you talk about like whether you wonder if he's seen this movie or not, apparently one of his books he went on a whole thing about the Land Before Time movies. And I'm not just talking about the first movie. I'm talking about the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> the direct-to-video sequels. And, I mean, that's the thing. He's one of these people who... I mean, he had a kid. And you know that he has had... A, he, like, he took his kid to the movies over the past 10 years or so, or 15 years. Oh, I didn't So that's know. probably why... Yeah, well, it's not like he... he I, I like to imagine that his kid is uh, has the same haircut and has a beard. <laughs> That's the only way I can imagine Slavoj Žižek having having a child. <laughs> he like, just popped it, out of the womb. No, no, he just no. It didn't even like he didn't even conceive a child. It's just like part of Slavoj Žižek broke off, and it sort of morphed like like the limb of a starfish, <laughs> and became this little Slavoj Žižek. And one fish, two fish, one Žižek, little Žižek. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm pretty sure that's how it happened. <laughs> that's making me think of something that I can't like in like a bad in a stupid comedy where you see like the father and his son looks exactly like his father. Like uh, has a mustache. Yeah, like uh, oh, I can't think of it. But yeah, but uh, anyway. So the point is, I really like that Zizek is not somebody who holds himself to one form of cinema he's open to everything um now whether or not he watches you know a lot of crap who knows but he is at least he's willing to take on something to try to 
make a point about uh, about psychoanalysis, about the world we live in. Now, it should also be stated that, again, we're talking about the movies because this is a movie podcast. He's written a lot of books, and he's written also a lot of books about actual history. Well, not history, but he's written a lot about our current times and... What, what, and he's also a, a communist, a real hardcore communist. Uh, but he has fun with that, too. Uh, there's almost the sense that he might be a hipster. Um, <laughs> no, because if you watch uh, the Vice uh, episode, uh, the Vice Channel interview with him, they go to his, apart- they go to his apartment. He has a p- poster of Stalin <laughs> on his wall, but I think it's meant as an ironic gesture. I don't think he's actually a big fan. He might be a fan. I don't know. He's, you know, he's a Slovenian guy who grew up in... Slovenia. Yes, yeah, Slovenia. Um, or I think... Or Yugoslavia, or one of those countries. Um, it's like people who wear Che Guevara t-shirts. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but uh, one of the things I love, by the way... He G- talks- Zizek would listen to this podcast and be like, No, all wrong. It's No, 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 no. It is exactly the opposite side. No, it is exactly the opposite it is not that we are seeing this podcast. It is the podcast is seeing us. It is going into our souls. It is driving us into a stitch. That's how he talks. He does like a great. He his whole method is point counterpoint. He like because he went like he brings up Jaws, and he mentions how Fidel Castro loves that movie because he sees it as a being that. It's a it's a communist m- movie in a way. It's a look at how the shark is like a capitalist machine that is killing ordinary Americans. And what he says about that is that is both right and wrong. <laughs> you know, it's um, and uh, you know, and he also has a lot of thought. If you watch the Perot's Guide to Ideology, uh, he talks a bit about the Last Temptation of Christ and how what that relates to how we as as people look at faith and what it means to be if you're going to be an atheist like do you really believe in nothing or is there still this concept of the big other that's what that's sort of there and in terms of the big other he isn't meaning about like big brother he's talking about um something as simple as like karma yeah well maybe but no he he uses a great example from this david lean movie brief encounter and he shows a clip in this movie where, um, you know, this couple is having their last possible last moment together, um, you know, and they're having this sort of emotional affair. And then the town gossip woman comes in, the woman who's very chatty with uh, Claire, uh, Cl- <laughs> Celia Johnson, sorry. And, you know, she just has this moment where she's on this train with this woman who keeps running her mouth and won't stop. And you hear her narration. She says, I wish I could trust you. I wish you were a good friend instead of just a gossip who I really don't care for. And (laughs) she's like the big other. She's this person who represents something about... uh, Whether it's social order or whether Social order. Social order and political order. Yeah. Or an oppressive government or something. Yeah, or, you know... uh, his point about uh, the great dictators is great too. The fact of the voice in yeah. that movie, how the voice of Hinkle is a really traumatic part of that movie. It's not just about how do we get rid of a repressive dictator. How do we get rid of this problem of 
a voice that is crowding into our space. And yet by the end of the movie, uh, the little tramp becomes the voice. He's the one who's giving this long speech, and yet the crowd is reacting the same way that they might to Hinkle. Right. The other and there's the otherworldliness of of, of the disembodied voice. Mm-hmm. How the voice, how voices are unnatural and things. Yeah, he um, voices are yeah. weird. Remember how I was talking about voice actors a while back? Okay. All right. Uh, there are certain voice actors who are are, are instantly recognizable for the characters they play. Optimus like, Prime. Yeah, like Peter Cullen or uh, or Keith David. You know. If you if you know his voice, it's probably from those Navy recruiting commercials. Yeah. But he's done, like, a ton of other things. Yeah, Gargoyles. Or, or even someone like John DiMaggio, who's been Bender and Jake the Dog. Tom Kenny, to an extent. Right. It's, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants and the Ice King. The, the, the thing with me is I identify voice actors by their voices. But I, so it's like, oh, he's the voice of this, this, and this. But if I was ever to like see the voice actor talking in that voice, it would be a very strange disconnect because I identify mm. that voice with someone else. You picture uh, you... someone, right? And imagine, imagine if I was to start talking in a completely different voice. I um... there would be something unearthly about about how uh, how you perceive me. And You're... Zizek talks about that. Like he talks about the one of the Doctor Mabuse uh, films, yeah. where it is a, a lot about. A menacing voice, mm-hmm. and I identified with that. That's uh, vo- <laughs> when you see people who, whose voices are disembodied, and then they talk in their in that voice. Yes, it's like <laughs> no, no, no. That's not you. That's that's you. That's that's the guy on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. Um, you're making me. You're just making me think about a, a, a story. And uh, I'm sorry, it's a slight tangent. No, but when I was uh, 11, I. Um, I saw part of this movie being filmed uh, near my mother's office called uh, The Devil's Zone, And this was like a movie that kind of bombed. It was with Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. And uh, Harrison Ford was shooting the movie right in that neighborhood. And so one day they were shooting a scene right on the street, right by across my mother's office. And I see Harrison Ford, or a person I think is Harrison Ford. <laughs> and I go up to him to tell him, you know, I love, uh, you know, uh, Indiana Jones. I love you. Yeah, um, I should have said I love Star Wars and all that, but I, um, I didn't think of it. I get this guy who suddenly talks, and his voice sounds like this, or something. I think it's, it's his stunt double. I met Harrison Ford's stunt double. Wow. And how I found out, because the guy looked just like Harrison Ford, was by his voice. And wow. it was like a guy with a high-pitched weird voice and i gave him a compliment and he was like oh thanks i'll tell him <laughs> so that's my harrison ford story boy folks wow. <laughs> where i met harrison ford stunt double on the devil's own <laughs> but very nice thank you jack uh so that was a tangent worth getting into right Indeed. Okay. Um, so other things about Zizek. Like I said, both these documentaries he encourages are Canada to invade the United States and set up their own Hunger Games. When did he say that? He said it on a Canadian Broadcasting Company interview in 2012. Of course he would have said that. <laughs> um, and uh, he said that the Avengers is a perfect example of how uh, communism should work. Mm. How, and how so? Where people... Uh, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over this okay. because I'm just gonna butcher it. Yeah, uh, you, if you type <laughs> if you go onto YouTube and type in Zizek Avengers, you'll you'll probably hear the clip. Um, and he responded to the to the to the nickname the Elvis of cultural theory as a way for his uh, critics to minimize his importance. Yeah, which is an interesting to point. trivialize him. Yeah, well, he's ri- he writes so much. Yeah, he writes to the point where it's like, all right, man, give it a rest. He's he's like the Woody Allen of, uh, of philosophy, books. right? Yeah, like he has a new book come out every six months or something like that. <laughs> you know, the guy just is a machine. And now, granted, you I might... no wonder he skips through all those movies. <laughs> he doesn't have time. Yeah, he uh, yeah, he was um. Another cool thing, he actually... Remember Occupy Wall Street? No. No. Never happened. <laughs> there was no Occupy Wall Street movement. There was, there was no, no o- Occupy Wall Street movement. Yes. You can go about your business, Wall Street. Um, no. it. He uh, he popped up uh, when they were having the big uh, demonstrations in Ducati Park in New York City. And he actually gave a speech... And it, he actually had the the in a way the audience had to kind of slow down his usual way of speaking because when they were doing a lot of these speeches in Zuccotti Park they couldn't have microphones so no. every time you say a sentence the crowd repeats it <laughs> uh, if you ever wa- see yeah complete with lisp <laughs> yeah uh, and it was just kind of funny because he would say something that was funny and then the people in the audience would be repeating it and kind of laughing to themselves while they're saying it. Uh, I forget what some of his points were. And then but, the people uh, behind them repeated the laughter. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think he's this kind, He's the kind of like person who's... the, the He looks at, uh, at communism and capitalism and thinks that you know, both did some things that were interesting, but they both kind of failed in the 20th century. And now you see move, new movements, and you know there needs to be a new way of thinking. He keeps on impressing this upon his audience. So members. let's let's ask a question that I think is important. What okay. can filmmakers learn from Slavoj Žižek? I, if you watch mm. if you watch the Pervert's Guide Guide films, what is uh, what is the information that you can take away from it? That will help um, you grow as a filmmaker. You, I think a, if I if um, I could suggest please, something, please go first. I think it it it, it shows a lot of the power of intuition. Okay, that you can trust yourself to do a lot of things, and you don't have to worry about so much about positioning things and micromanaging and things like that. Uh, you can trust your own intuition and trust the intuition of your actors and the people who work with you. Mm-hmm. And you, of course, guide it as a as a director. Mm-hmm. But not to worry too much about things that are unseen. Okay, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, you when when we look at like stuff like Kubrick films, and of course, Zizek in both uh, *Pervert's Guide to Cinema* and *Pervert's Guide to Ideology*, he looks at Kubrick films like *Eyes Wide Shut*, right, and *Doctor Strange Love*, uh, *Full Metal Jacket*. He, you know. Kubrick didn't set out, I mean, we could argue whether he set out to put a lot of subliminal messages and ideas in his films, but ultimately what made his films so great and what makes them last is because he was true to some kind of artistic intent regarding the human condition. In terms of expressing something about uh, how people express themselves in a marriage, how uh, how people act when they're preparing to go to war how people 
uh, how Beethoven works. One of the great things in Perth's Guide to Ideology, by the way, he breaks down Beethoven's Ninth Symphony movement. All right. Uh, or rather, Ode to Joy. And he connects how this whole... Or, or rather, he talks about how what Beethoven was trying to do was uh, make a critique of ideology. That you hear this music, and at first it sounds very like inspiring, but then the second half... I guess he's talking about the fourth movement, maybe, but it's it suddenly becomes like you're feeling kind of by yourself or something. I don't know how he, he explained it in a much better way than I'm talking about. But the point is, Beethoven was out there to express something, and he was staying true to it. If you're a filmmaker, trust trust yourself. Trust that you have something to say that's important. Trust that you are trying to stick with something that is interesting or something that is trying to reveal about how the way we live, about how we dream. A lot of what is great in what Zizek looks at is fantasy and nightmare and what it means when fantasy and reality are going into this weird pot like in and how Vertigo. These, these are integral to the human condition. So I think that's what, you know, he, he doesn't look at people who are hacks um, in his movies. Like, I... As far as I know, he hasn't looked at uh, Battleship yet, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> there I could be not. an important lesson to learn from Battleship. Maybe. Um, and again, he looks at a lot. Of well, different I mean, stuff he gleaned stories. some meaning out of Alien Three, Alien Resurrection. No, oh, Alien Resurrection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't Alien Three. It was Alien Resurrection. Yes, he he shows in Pervert's Guide to Cinema. He shows the scene where Sigourney Weaver is looking at the. Uh, the versions of, of the, the clones of Ellen Ripley that turned out disastrously wrong. Yeah, and I think that he is got a meaning out scene. of the fi- out of Revenge of the Sith. He did, and that's a, and he made an interesting point about what it means to uh, kill yourself as a father figure. Right. Um, I do that all the time. You, your I father, assume, um, as far as we know, I don't know what it means. Don't tell Jack. Andrew, uh, um, Andrew's baby children don't come looking for him. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Anna, any other thoughts about him that you want to talk about? Because I, I could talk. I a lot did about not his get stuff. to see the Purvis Guy ideology, but I'm really itching to do it when I you get back re- from vacation. You really should. Uh, I think because again, it comes back. It's if this was just Zizek's ideas, it would appeal to so many fewer people. But the way he talks. Yes, and his whole personality is, is the real key to to basically the phenomenon of his celebrity. Yeah, because the, the 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 movies, the documentaries combine both his personality and Sophie Fine's uh, presentation. Again, yeah. the fact that you're oh, you putting leave, him into there. We shouldn't leave Sophie Fine's out of this. I, yeah, I mean, she 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 is the guiding hand for this, mm-hmm. and you know, it's her it's her edit. I don't know her pacing. Is, you her know, pacing. The, the, a documentary has to have pacing. Her decision to put to put Zizek inside the, these different sets. Yeah, make... At one point, he's like on like the blue velvet lawn, watering flowers. Yeah, <laughs> he talks about like you know this 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 is uh, when I see tulips, I, I see them as vagina dentata. And, you know things like that. <laughs> he's a very he's he has an outrageous freewheeling mind, and that's. It's it's so refreshing in a world that is tampered down by Ritalin and uh, you know <laughs> things that kind of repress the human mind. You know, um, again, you might not agree with everything he says. Some of the things he says you might think are total crap. Yeah, 
but he says so many things that it's hard not to kind of think about a few of them and yeah. for a, a lot some of his ideas to stick with you um he'll so that sh- he'll show you the power of the mind yeah he sh- yeah he shows you the power of the mind and especially you know hitchcock's shotguns you in the face yes uh yeah, so I can't recommend these two documentaries enough. Uh, and also, um, yeah, and check out other uh, docu... Uh, he, he's also somebody, by the way, if you go on YouTube and you type in Slavoj Zizek, you'll see something like 30 videos with him oh, in front of lectures. There's a and wealth e- of interviews. They're there's each, a they're wealth each 20, of lectures. They're each like two hours long. So some of them I've watched and some of them... You know, at some point, it's just like, okay, enough already. <laughs> All right, get, get a, go take a vacation. Uh, but, but check him out. You'll learn something about films. If you watch Pervert's Guides, you'll definitely see a list of films that you should probably see yourself. And, oh, by the and, way, the other cool thing, he also talks about uh, animated films here and there. He talks about that Pluto cartoon right. where he goes to hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and watch watch the Perfect Guide to Cinema. You'll you'll understand. Yes. Um. And so, and if you see Perfect Guide to Cinema, or uh, and by the way, Perfect Guide to Ideology is on Netflix. I should mention that. Um. Let us know what you think. Uh. Send us. You can send us an email at wagesofcinema at gmail dot com. Uh. You could leave a comment on our Facebook page. Uh. Remember to like the page, by the way. Uh. Or you can send me a tweet. I'm on Twitter at Jack Gattinella. Um, and please remember to keep checking out our uh, podcasts on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you're not too busy, which I know you aren't, leave a review. It really helps us out, gives us a little encouragement, helps us figure out what exactly we need to improve and what we need to keep doing. Yeah, it gives us that strength to keep going through a Rocky Four montage. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, our hearts are on fire for you guys. And I have the eye of the tiger. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we'll, we'll be coming back in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll try to see a few more movies. Uh, summer's winding down, but I think, uh, there are still a couple of big releases I'm excited for. Um. Well, you should listen to our, uh, summer movie review extravaganza. If yes, you're looking did. for what's coming up next. Yeah. Don't go to IMDB or any of those other crappy pages. Yeah. Go to our podcast and listen to our summer movie overview yeah don't don't go to that lose yeah what what are you gonna what are you gonna go to that fount of knowledge is known as imdb you're gonna go to us we're we're a fount of knowledge we're a fountain of knowledge we're bursting with knowledge what he said yes and um and so uh as always i'm jack i'm andrew and uh remember the wages of cinema is death good night hi i did it this time See, like Zizek, I turned it around. I made you do extra work. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm.